Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Longarello, and this is the premiere episode of Season 5. We spent all of Season 4 discussing how employees have been affected by COVID-19, including ways they've worked to overcome some of the associated challenges. And now, it's only fitting to change gears for Season 5 and explore the importance of resilience, which is defined as the ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. This week's episode features Tango's Jason Corrente, one of the most respected and well-liked employees that I know. A 10-year Tangaroo, as we like to say, with more than 13 years of experience, Jason is currently our Director of Implementations and he's based out of our Parsippany, New Jersey office. We cover a lot here today, including the details of Jason's role, his perceptions of our culture, and the link between resilience and self-awareness. Jason has been recommended many times to be a guest on this show, and this month, when I finally reached out to him to officially ask him onto the podcast, he reminded me that June is Pride Month and an opportunity to discuss and raise awareness for LGBTQ rights both inside and outside of the workplace. Coincidentally, the day before Jason and I recorded our conversation, on June 15th, the U.S. Supreme Court delivered a major victory for LGBTQ employees. The court ruled that the 1964 Civil Rights Act now protects gay, lesbian, and transgender employees from being disciplined, fired, or turned down for a job based on their sexual orientation. In this timely and important conversation, not only will you learn about Jason and his team's contribution to the business, you will also hear more about Pride Month and why it's so important that we all help contribute to a collective company culture that promotes equality. Okay, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the very passionate Jason Corrente. Let's all learn from him. So people have asked me, what is what does it mean? What is implementation? Like, what does that mean? I hear that all the time. And, and instead of me telling you what I believe it to be, yeah. I would love to hear it from you. Like, what if you had to like explain it to someone who had no clue yeah. what Tango even was? Like, what's a clear way to explain what that even means? Yeah. So it's funny. It's a, somebody just asked me over the weekend. So <laughs> what is what does that mean? Implementations, right? What what do you actually do? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I get that question of what is Tango? What do you do? And you know, you you give the 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 spiel, but um, uh, at the end of the day, implementations really helps bridge the gap between the services that are being sold and the solution that comes up during the sales process and how to get that customer into our life cycle, into our services where we're actually providing the service, providing value to the customer. So they really get the return on their investment. Um, you know, sales has that goal of just making sure we can get the deal in at the end of the day, right? And then mm-hmm. operations has the goal of providing the service, making sure we're in line with the contract and the SLAs that we have, and and providing the services as expected. So implementations helps bridge the gap between those you know two departments, really. And just like the old game of telephone, you start at one end, something always doesn't translate to the other end. So we're kind of the, the middleman in between that's helping understand what was discussed and promised and demonstrated during the sales piece to how we get the, the customer into our platform and onto our services. So it ends up being a lot of communication, but at the same time, there's a standard way we do things. 
you know, we've been around for a couple of decades. We know what we're doing. We're the largest provider in the space. So we help the customer understand what's going to get them the best value, what's going to allow us to implement faster by helping them stay with some you know, pre-configured standards that, that have been proven to, uh, to work well for other customers because we know what we're doing. So it's really kind of joining the hands between you were sold a service, you're, we're going to provide a service, and how do we get there? It's that, that middle ground. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a great, succinct answer. And <laughs> I'm going to, I'm not a file that away so I can reference that every time. But no, seriously, that makes perfect sense though. Yeah. It's a little long winded as I usually am. So I'm sometimes late for a couple of meetings as my colleagues will know, but um, yeah. What made you end up at a career at Tango? Like if you could take us back a few years. Oh, geez. Um, how far do you want to go back? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what did, what did you study in college, and how does that translate to what you're doing today? That kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm always interested gotcha. in that. Gotcha. So, not when I was uh, working front-end cash register at a grocery store. Not that far. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, <laughs> so, I went to school uh, in New Jersey at William Patterson University. It's a small college. And, you know, like a lot of people coming out of high school, figuring out myself, figuring out my life, and I didn't really know what to do. So, you know, I had some interest here and there, and uh, I just decided to go with a focus in communications because it's communications. Everybody communicates. How hard could that be? And, uh, you know, when I was there, I started taking a couple of different electives, and everyone, uh, a lot of times, people have commented on the sound or the timbre of my voice. So I, uh, I went to the radio station at college and asked if they had any openings and they, they didn't for that semester, but told me to come back. And, you know, I love music. I listen to music every day. I listen to music while I'm not on conference calls, which is rare, um, but it's a big part of my life. So I said, you know, let me, let me give it a shot. And I ended up uh, shadowing a DJ for, uh, for one semester. And then I got my own radio show. And if you ever put a microphone, you know, in front of somebody, they're always going to talk right? everybody just wants to tell you their opinion, everything like that. Mm -hmm. But when you know that you're in the New York City greater area and there's millions of people listening, you know, you, you, get, you get some chills, right? You get a little nervous there. But over time, you get comfortable. You get the, the spiel down talking about the station IDs and linkers and things like that. Um, and then when I was there, I've always wanted to help teach people, help grow, help do something different, kind of get out of my comfort zone and comfortably uncomfortable is the term I like to use. And um, I was a program manager there. Uh, I was the public service announcement manager there. I was a music director there. And uh, over time and years past, uh, I had a little voiceover business on, on the side as well. So I had a, a major in communications, radio and television, uh, but I also had a minor in psychology because I like knowing about how people work, why they act a certain way, behaviors and patterns and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the schooling background. And then I ended up in telecom. Um, before Tango, <laughs> I, uh, the closest thing was that I sold cell phones at the mall, a couple of different malls, Nanuet Mall and Palisades Mall. You know, one of those guys like, hey, could you use a new cell phone today? Hey, we have free cell phones. And I know uh, those guys. I know yeah, those guys. Mm -hmm. yeah, not the ones that try to sell you the, the lotion from the Dead Sea <laughs> and all that stuff, but, you know, similar in nature. Yeah, they were, they were a couple of. Uh, <laughs> couple kiosks over and then before that i actually had uh, a lot of fun working for this independent marketing company uh where we were independent distributors the company basically bought licenses on products of all different categories whether it was coloring books for kids remote control cars 
lotion and bath sets, umbrellas, leather jackets. And we would literally be the guys that you would see out on the street in the businesses going business to business and trying to, you know, hawk their wares that were less than what you would find in stores. And uh, that taught me a little bit about greed factor and sense of urgency and you know, getting the product in people's hands and a sense of ownership. And that stuff really worked. So mm. I've sold leather jackets in 90 degree weather in San Diego. I, I, <laughs> I've given kids Christmas gifts kind of indirectly help businesses make money uh, by giving them items that they could use in their store or give gifts to their employees and things like that. It, it taught me a lot about people and, you know, again, with communication, just how to communicate and law of averages, uh, LOAs, as, as we know the, uh, the acronym, but in a different context, that just every no brings you closer to a yes. You know, there's going to be change. It's not always going to be this way. It gets better. So yeah, that's, that's really my, uh, my work experience in, in a nutshell there. I love that. So what, what's one of your favorite things about your current job at Tango? Uh, I have many favorite things. Um, the people that I work with, 100% hands down. My team is fantastic. They are such smart individuals. They know a lot more than I do. <laughs> so they're always teaching me just about life and business as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and during this whole time of COVID, I, I think I've learned more about my direct team and my department and other folks in the company, just because we've you know kind of taken a, a stop to pause and, and listen to people and have a common shared experience. Um, sometimes the first 10 minutes or so of a call, we might talk about what's happening in their lives, what's happening in their area. And it's, it's good to just be aware and hear people and understand what they're going through um, and just kind of be there to listen. So people hands down, definitely. And, you know, even though we have standard processes and methodologies and what we do with our operating model, you know, customers are very different. Customers are figuring it out. You know, not everybody is, is where they fully want to be from a business sense. So it's always been something new. Every customer is different. They always have a different requirement. Things are always changing. Technology is always improving and enhancing. And then sort of the tools and the needs of the business. So because it's always been a consistent change and it, and it hasn't been mundane, that's, that's probably why I've been here for so long. I'm one of the, one of the old dogs, even though I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> 13 years is a long time to be at a company. Yeah. It's it very surprising when I tell people that they're like, Oh, I'm like two years max. I'm like, yeah, I know <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> Most people, and, 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 yeah, in thirteen-year window, you could easily have had seven or eight jobs. So, oh, easy, yeah. Easy. But it's also neat because I've seen the company go. When I started, there were only eighty people here, um, and it was a company called Information Strategies Group (ISG), and I knew everybody by face, by name. Um, a lot of people uh, had known each other through, you know, two degrees of separation, what have you. And uh, you know, as as we acquired businesses, as we merged, I've seen us go public. I've seen this go private again. You know, it's it's been pretty interesting, and and I guess I'm doing something right because I'm I'm still here. You know, <laughs> right. So I mean, as you know, and I people listening probably know, many of us have been working from home since March 13th, which is 95 days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. but who's counting? It's been 95 <laughs> days. I looked that up I, today. I see you writing on your wall with chalk, like you're no. in a cell, 95 days, <laughs> crossing it off. Yeah, but how would you describe the culture at Tango currently, when the line between home life and work life have been a bit blurred? I'm just curious how you would describe our culture today. 
Um, if you asked me the question before COVID, I, I'd give you a little bit different of an answer and I'll probably trickle in a, a little bit on that. Um, but, you know, it, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to being resilient or accepting change and getting through the valley of despair. And if you don't know what the valley of despair is, um, my, uh, my boss, Krista Benowitz, has, has brought this up uh, on some of our team meetings. And it's like, the, the thing is coming. You know that it's happening. Okay, the thing has happened. And then it, you hit the valley of despair where people aren't accepting of that change. They're not ready for it. They're going to push back. They're going to make excuses. They're not going to do something until they really need to do it. And then eventually they come around. It starts curving back up again. And they're like, okay, this makes sense. Okay, I get it. Okay, I'm comfortable. Now this is normal. Now I have my routine. I know what to do. I know what I shouldn't be doing. Don't play video games every day. Um, at work. Um, and, and so you kind of get through this little this little curve, right? And I think over time, and especially by now, everyone's got their routine down, right? They know that they can sleep in a little bit longer. They know that they need to eat lunch. They know that they need to step away. And it, I think it's been a huge learning experience for the culture just uh, within our company and, and elsewhere around the world of having to learn this, having to learn something that we've never experienced before. But what's neat is that it's also brought more of a sense of community, this the shared collective that we all have experienced and gone through. And that's enabled us to, to learn from each other, to get tips and tricks of how to work from home. Um, it's also funny that the people working from home who are already working from home, they're like, come on, guys, like, really, this isn't a thing. I do this every day. You know, what's the big deal? Let me tell you how it is. Um, so I think, you know, you, you really had to to learn how to give yourself a little bit more discipline, to not be distracted by home life, people being home or things that you could do around the house, odd jobs you haven't done in years that now they're in your face and you're looking at them every day. Um, but otherwise we've been, I've been busier than I ever have before, um, but it's, it's, it's ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes you're super busy and sometimes things are a little bit light. So I think the culture has just been able to kind of roll with the punches and go with the flow, right? And, and some people were hesitant and, and concerned. Uh, thankfully, Tango uh, and, and the IT department allowed us to take home some equipment that could help us give us, you know, additional screens or, you know, more of a feeling of a workspace. Uh, we even had a, uh, an internal uh, team site where people were sharing pictures of their workspace and sharing recipes and sharing outdoor things that they were doing, like going on a hike. Um, just to have, you know, again, that, that sense of shared collective, that community. So I've really seen the, the culture be more, uh, I would say, intimate with who people are and what they were doing. And I don't think we would ever have done that if this didn't happen, you know? Yeah, I love that. I, and from my experience, I feel like the culture has become softer in, in, a, in a positive way, like more empathetic. People are just willing to be a little bit more vulnerable because, like you said, it's a shared collective experience. Like everybody is in this together and we've never been in that boat really together as an entire company before. And to share that together, I think is, is unique. And there, there's, there's a lot of benefits in it, even though sometimes it feels like a nightmare <laughs> for me yeah. at least. And, and what's also neat is that, you know, Tango over the past couple of years has really been championing employee engagement. And so we were doing things around the office to, to bring employees together. Um, you know, we had an arcade emulator added into one of our offices and some of our offices have ping pong tables and foosball tables and uh, they do a, a four o'clock meetup sometimes and just hang out and talk. 
And so while we were spending all this time and, you know, just a little bit of funds on making it more enjoyable to come to work and make people want to come to work and collaborate a little more outside of just being on a meeting or in an office, et cetera, you know, this has still allowed us to have that, you know, sense of community and to still be engaged and to still, you know, produce and do what you need to do to get, get the job done every day. I don't think we've lost that at all. So just having the technology that allows us to collaborate um, has also tremendously, you know, allowed us to be successful and to be productive and for people to still be engaged, have a sense of community just through the technology that, that Tango has provided to its employees. Yeah. And Jason, it's reassuring to hear that from you because <laughs> you, you mentioned the Valley of Despair and I'm no stranger to that. I'm no stranger to that Valley. And you know, I, there's times when I I don't necessarily have a uh, a healthy perspective about the situation that COVID has caused. You know, I I agree that there's a, a positive effect that it has had, and again, it's just nice to hear that from you. And I you mentioned the word resilient and being resilient, and I wonder, going back to that valley of despair, what do you do when you find yourself? in that valley and you can't seem to get out is there any kind of strategy that you can offer listeners of how to get yourself out of there i think the biggest thing or the the term that i would use is being self-aware like just know the way you're feeling understand you're feeling a certain way and it's just a natural biological response that you have we are all creatures on this planet right It's, it's fight or flight so and it's being aware of how you are acting, how you are communicating, how you are being perceived by others, how, how you want others to perceive you and how you're identifying with the situation. You know, if you get a flat tire, you it could ruin your day, right? You could be angry. You can yell at someone. You can flip somebody off when maybe you get that tire fixed. Or you can say, great, I got a flat tire. Let me fix it. I'm a little delayed for my day. What am, what am I supposed to do, right? Why is it going to ruin my day? Why am I going to bring somebody down with negativity just because it's something that's affecting me? But what value does that have of putting negative energy out there in the universe? And, you know, what you do to somebody or what you say to somebody as a result of your own actions and feelings is probably not the best thing that you can do. So being self-aware that you are having these feelings understanding that that this is occurring you're feeling this way even if if um it wasn't a part of uh you know getting a flat tire with something else that was in your life or covid or, or whatever the case is a you know, relationship gone south or it's it's just a part of life like these things happen and it's always you know how you pick yourself up by the bootstraps and and keep on chugging it's never what's what's funny is i never look at reviews online ever I don't look at it for hotels. I don't look at it for movies. I don't look at it for anything because everyone's always got this negative. It wasn't up to my expectations. Hmm. And I've come to learn in, in the 30 some odd years of my life, nothing is ever perfect. Go into things with low expectations and you will be pleasantly surprised because if you think it's going to be great and perfect and wonderful, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So when things happen and it affects you, you know, don't always just react. Sometimes stop, take a breath, listen more, talk less, understand why this this is affecting you this way. And if you have the opportunity, sit on it a little bit. Don't open your mouth. Don't react. Or, or if you're talking to somebody, 
you know, find out, you know, why there, why something had happened or, you know, dig into the conversation a little bit. Uh, how does something make them feel? Um, how does, how does something make them feel about other people, uh, directly or indirectly? And then learning from those people on, you know, what their attitude is can make you see your own attitude and just be aware of the feelings that you have. And then what are the actions that you're going to take for it? So, you know, that resiliency is kind of how you, how you bounce back. Right. Um, and some people just aren't self-aware, <laughs> no matter how much you might talk about it. And people say they're self-aware. Sometimes they're really not. Um, but, you know, I would just say, enjoy the journey, learn from it. Nothing is ever perfect. Life is a series of iterations is a term we throw around a lot here at Tango. So it's really, you know, what you're doing about it. What are your next actions? What are the steps you're going to take to resolve or solve or, or move on from that negative point? I never really made that connection between self-awareness and being resilient, but you, you're absolutely right. And sometimes you need to, and, and I hope you continue to kind of spread that message, Jason, because I needed to hear that today for whatever reason, you know, it, it's kind of how you react to the situation. And a lot of this COVID stuff going on causes us to be, sometimes not not even self-loathing but it's all you know you just feel like enough of this like when is this gonna stop and but again it, it, it's it's good to hear you kind of highlight the importance of that and as I said I hope you continue to spread that to whoever listens because sometimes we just need to hear it from somebody and today I needed to hear that so I appreciate that you're welcome today what well, today is June 16th right and and for and for those who may not know, June is LBGTQ Pride Month or Pride Month, right? So when I reached out to you, it wasn't that long ago, maybe a week or so ago, to ask you if you wanted to be a guest on the show. You asked me if we were planning to do anything with the podcast to kind of raise awareness for Pride Month. And and truthfully, we weren't. And and shame on me, right? Really. But I was hoping you could talk about why you feel it's important for organizations to be aware of and to celebrate Pride Month. Yeah, and and look, no reason to to be ashamed. Uh, if you go into another state and you drive a car, you don't know what all the laws are. You may not know what the speed limit is on that road. Uh, mm -hmm. So self-awareness again, right? Just being aware that, that you may not know. Um, so, you know, it's it's Pride Month, and and I think it's it's great that you have me on, and I I have the ability to you know provide some information about you know what's happening this month and kind of like the the business impact uh, of things as well. Thankfully, uh, I've never had any issues at at Tango. Um, I've been openly gay for since I was 16, and I've never shied away of who I was. I've never been afraid to communicate that uh, early on when I came out in high school. It, it, somebody didn't like me for being gay, then sorry for them. You know, I think I'm a pretty cool person. I think my <laughs> team thinks I'm pretty cool. But uh, I, I've never had I've never had a problem. Uh, but that's me personally. There are millions and millions of people who can't be who they are at work. It's a term called covering or a term called masking. And there are a lot of studies out there about the effect of productivity that not being who you are in the workplace where you have to hide, that you can't be yourself, that you have to think about your actions, how you dress, how you act, how you identify for your orientation or your gender. 
affects people in a negative way that doesn't allow them to be the full potential of themselves. It is trillions of dollars that are wasted as a result of this. Um, just, just this week, the Supreme Court passed a law, a federal law, that now disallows discrimination in the workplace, meaning not being fired for how you identify being gay, straight, lesbian, bi, transsexual, uh, an ally, intersex, whatever it is. Um, before that, in the United States in 2020, you could be fired in over 20 states if your employer found out that you were gay and there was no state law to support and protect you. Over 20 states. Unbelievable. Up, in, up until two days ago. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that. So someone could get married legally in their state uh, or somewhere else in another state or went to a destination wedding or what have you, whatever you wanted to do. And they could come back to work Monday morning and they can get fired. If there was a news post, an article, you know, somebody saw a picture somewhere, overheard you talking about it, you can be fired. Yeah. So, you know, where, where I have had, uh, I have not had an issue with who I am and just you know, being who I am in the workplace. Millions of people have this issue. You can still go to jail. You can still be put to death for being LGBT. And so, you know, we work with a lot of companies that have LGBT employees. We work with companies that have employee resource groups that promote pride, that promote uh, LGBT um, staff that are at the workplace. And it's just a way to, you know, show appreciation for the different types of people, the different cultures that we have, because it's people at the end of the day, you know, in the workplace that are doing the work, that are interacting with customers. And so employee resource groups are a great way that a company can, you know, enable uh, their employees to have another sense of community that's a little bit different. Um, there's all types of employee resource groups that, that are out there or that companies can create. Um, and having an LGBT one is just, you know, just one of them. So that's a way that anyone that's listening that, that is in an, uh, a workplace, if you have an employee resource group, join it. If you don't have one, start one up. There's no reason why you, you can't go to HR and say, hey, here's my charter. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to have a meeting. And, and you know, it's, it's pretty easy to frame it in a way that's going to support the employees for more employee engagement, for more productivity, uh, to allow more diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Some companies don't even have a diversity and inclusion department, and every company should. There's there's no reason why, you know, entire executive team needs to be, uh, I'm just using it as an example, but all straight white men, you know, there needs to be people of color, there needs to be transgender people, you need LGBT employees who come from a different perspective that haven't gotten a fair shot, who have had these laws that have been out there put on them by other people just for being who they are. And so when you include people from all walks of life and from different cultures and different communities with different perspectives, you then get um, different perspectives and different ideas and different ways to go about things and handle things because these people have been faced with having to prove themselves or having to hide who they are and work around laws and issues and societal norms in order to fit in and be accepted. So, you know, when you asked me about, you know, what culture means to me in relation to COVID, my answer would be, you know, a little bit different than if you asked me before COVID. Uh, so for me, culture really is having pride. It's, it's having pride in who you are. It's having pride in how you identify yourself with that shared common experience. It's how you want others to identify you and not how others want to identify or classify you. 
It's having pride in those who came before you to establish what the culture is today. How did it become that culture? Who are those people? What did they do? And recognizing that and really celebrating that. Because at the end of the day, you know, culture is that that dark matter, that shared experience, that you know, universal vibration that that brings us all together. And everyone just wants to be accepted. They want to be loved and they want to share that. And they don't want to get picked last for kickball, right? They 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 want to be a part of something. So for me, culture really comes down to to having pride and being prideful and just helping, you know, your your fellow man just be who they are and just to enjoy life because it's the only one that we got and just just be happy and just love other people and don't don't hate and don't discriminate. It doesn't it doesn't provide anyone any value except for the haters that are out there. And nobody likes haters. Well, thank you for that perspective. I'm just curious, since it is the middle of June, are are these parades or these celebrations, are they have they been canceled as a result of COVID? Or are they still taking place? Yeah, so while June is recognized as, as kind of Pride Month for us, cities all over the U.S. And, and around the world have Pride in different months and at different times. So there's been a whole bunch that have already been canceled. There's a whole bunch that have already been moved um, to later on in the year. I think October is going to be like party season. <laughs> mm. um, but everything's going everything's going virtual. There's a couple places that folks can check out online to see events that are happening or, or where they've been moved to, um, whether they're in their state or whether they are virtual. They can go to, uh, there's a, a company called GLAD, and um, GLAD really helps tackle issues and promote dialogue uh, that leads to change, especially in the media. But if you go to glad.org slash pride guide, GLAD has two A's in it. You can search for any city, uh, state, any kind of event category and, and see what's happening now and, uh, uh, and throughout, the, uh, throughout the year. And then um, specifically in New York, I actually volunteer for a, uh, a nonprofit called Heritage of Pride. And they've been having virtual um, celebrations throughout the month. You can go on to nycpride.org. Uh, there's about 50 or so events that are going to be happening. But for the moment, there's there's nothing just for the, the context of COVID and social distancing and, and not having a spike that everything's moved virtually. So you'll still get to see people talking and, and have uh, uh, discussions about LGBT issues and rights and things that are happening in the movement. I think we're going to see a lot a lot of uh, talk about Black Lives Matter and, and what's happening with the protests, what people are doing and just engaging in that conversation. Uh, the people that I know uh, working through Heritage of Pride and just through other organizations and folks in the community, they're really using Pride to help uplift and support the Black Lives Matter movement um, because Pride is all about equality and inclusion. So we're using this month to help uplift and support and promote this this whole issue that's that's going on right now to just identify equal treatment for everybody. I was just going to say, I was, I noticed that the first official parade was in 1970. So this year would make it 50 years ago, which is pretty incredible. That's, that's correct. Yeah. The uh, 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, uh, the first pride parade was a riot. And since then we've seen a lot of change happen. Um, and this year is the 50th anniversary of the uh, pride March. So it, you know, it really stinks that COVID's happening because we can't do it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, physically in person. But you know, it'll be here next year, <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. 
Um, so, so that's why there's a lot of companies and nonprofits and organizations that are doing things online because we don't want to lose that that sense of celebration for for life and love and equality and inclusion. So it is the 50th anniversary. Uh, I would tell people, you know, if, even if this is your first pride, right? It's always somebody's first pride, whether they are gay, whether they are straight. Uh, if you're if not LGBTQIA plus yourself, then A stands for ally. Join one of these virtual sessions. Join uh, an evening. Listen to the DJs. Listen to what people have to say. Watch a drag show online. You're not there in person. No one's going to know. No one's no one's monitoring your internet. Hopefully, um, but but experience it. See what it's all about because everybody knows someone who's LGBTQIA. Everybody does, whether you want to believe it or or, or not. Uh, everybody knows somebody, and it would it, it would really help. For folks that haven't experienced it just to see what it's all about uh rocco i think sometimes folks that aren't in the community think that pride parades and marches and things like that are kind of throwing things in people's face you know whether they're all dressed up in feathers or you know they might have their butt hanging out in a costume or whatever it is but you know it's having this parade and having the ability to express themselves is is only because they haven't been able to do that or there's laws preventing them to do that so there is now a shared opportunity where folks can can experience this and have fun and celebrate again what came before them the folks that have led the change folks that are in the community that there is no hate and discrimination when it comes to pride everybody's equal that's why the rainbow is all the colors that it is so hopefully folks will will tune in Take a look at, at all these virtual sessions that are occurring. And later on in the year, when life starts to open back up again, go to a pride event, bring your nephew, talk to your uncle, bring your niece, you know, bring your aunt, wh whoever, or, or just talk to a friend that you know and say, hey, let me go to this thing. I, I'd like to experience this with you and see what it's all about. And, and Rock, I, I really give, uh, appreciate you giving me a chance to, you know, talk about these issues and, and talk about my life and, and where I've come from and uh, could just kind of my perception on things. I really appreciate you giving myself a voice and other people from all aspects of life at Tango, uh, which is impacting not only our company, but hopefully millions of people around the world once the uh, the podcast continues to catch on. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if anybody at Tango or anybody listening ever wants to reach out and have a conversation, feel free to do so. You can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm happy to, uh, happy to do that and keep everything safe and confidential. If uh, if people are even uncomfortable going to HR and they just need a voice, absolutely, uh, we can figure something out and have that conversation. Um, there's some things, Rocco, as well, we, we didn't talk about, but I'd, I'd just like to add a, a couple of other pieces if I can. Yeah, please. So from a, a business perspective, um, I've experienced and going have gone to a couple of events for just LGBT awareness and policy change and things like that in the workplace. And what's neat is I've seen businesses um, like Out Leadership and Out and Equal or workplace uh, advocates and help bring together senior leadership and CEOs and, and members of C-suite teams um, starting at the top to make sure that there is equality in the workplace. And th there's little things that companies can do that can go a long way. Uh, last year during Pride, we uh, raised some cash for a local LGBT center in New Jersey. And uh, we also, uh, just to, to support a local company, you can search online just for a, a local LGBT center. If people need someone to talk to, they need 
uh, medication, they need advice, um, suicide prevention, mental health, whatever it is. It's just a Google search away, but there's little things you can do like changing a bathroom sign to an all gender bathroom uh, for people that aren't comfortable using a restroom and they identify from a, a different gender than what is on the form for that company. Mm -hmm. uh, you can always change the form to have who you are from your gender identified at birth versus how you self-identify or how you want to be self-identified. Therefore, the pronouns that you use, uh, he, him, his, she, her, hers, they, them, their is also another one, but you can change the form um, with your uh, HR department. You can also make sure that when you're going through the vendors for selection for medical benefits and healthcare, um, that you're looking into vendors that do provide medication that are typically used by LGBT folks and make sure that they are covered and they're not paying uh, a lot of money out of pocket for medications that really don't affect the bottom line all that much. You can provide, uh, get training provided for how to work with and communicate with folks that are LGBT. Um, just again, you can talk to a local organization that's by you and they will provide you tons of materials and probably instructors uh, at no cost or little cost to be able to do that, to make strides in the business. Um, I mentioned employee resource groups. If you don't have one, start one up. Diversity and inclusion, same thing. Um, even family services for adoption. LGBT people can't make babies usually. So, um, you know, just little things that the organization can do to help provide a value add for their employees. If you want to hire and attract the best talent, we'll make it a workplace where they're accepted. Um, the buying power of LGBT uh, humans all around the world is in the trillions of dollars. Our GDP is affected by not being able to perform and be who you are at work. Millennials want to work for a company where they are accepted, that they have an employee resource group, that they are able to have a sense of community when they work there. Folks may not want to work for a company that doesn't have an employee resource group or doesn't have something in and an RFP response back to a potential customer or a vendor that asks, you know, do you discriminate against your employees based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity? Uh, large corporations typically will have the funds to do that. And they already have these ERGs and diversity inclusion departments available because they're so big that they work with, you know, thousands of um, employees all around the world where these things have been raised and they have experience. And other companies are very willing and able to teach other companies how they can do this and how they can partner with them to provide a better experience for their employees who want to come work for a company that cares about them, that allows them to be engaged. So that's the show. Although it really was a privilege to give Jason a voice and to learn so much from our conversation, I have challenged myself to become more aware of the injustices still being imposed on the LBGTQ community. And just as important, become more informed about how I can contribute to the solution. And I hope that this episode has posed the same challenge for many of our listeners. I wanted to mention too, that Jason has provided more than 25 links to organizations and resources that can help us get started. You can find them all with a brief description on his associated blog post, which you can find at whatisculturepodcast.com. I really encourage everyone to go take a look. So being resilient is often thought to be an independent endeavor, but I'd like to challenge that. For me, and from what I've learned by speaking with so many of you, including Jason today, it's that the relationships we have with our friends, 
family and colleagues. That's what helps us progress, move forward, overcome challenges, become resilient. I've said this many, many times already on this show, but we really cannot underestimate the power and the importance of relationships, the power and the importance of sharing our struggles with those that we trust. I can't tell you how many times I've had to lean on others to get the encouragement or the counsel or the support that I needed to battle a difficult situation. In the time that I spent speaking with Jason, one thing became certain to me. He is the type of person that many lean on. He is a voice of strength, of reason, and of hope. His presence in our organization is directly contributing to a culture at Tango that we often define as resilient. That is all. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Jason. Until next time.